0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is a special presentation for the
1: Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, you guys? Rick Uccino here, SB Nation, Believe Podcast Network here with somebody you know. He is a two-time Ring of Honor pure champion, member of the Blackpool Combat Club, and the man who pinned Kenny Omega. At double or nothing. He is Wheeler Yuta. what's going on, man? How's it going? Well, doing good, man. Just getting prepared for uh for the singles match with Kenny this week. Yeah, that is a that is a big matchup, obviously, here on Dynamite, and uh one that I know a lot of people are looking forward to. Now, this is going to be Kenny's first match since Forbidden Door, in which he took on Will Ospreay, and what many people are saying is one of the best, if not the best, match of of all time. Now, you yourself had just gone through hell in that in that 10-man tag match not long before. Did you get a chance to watch Kenny and Will uh, as it was going on? Like live in person? Did you get a chance to check it out? I did not
0: get a chance to watch it live, but I, I did get to watch it back after. And it, absolutely incredible match. Just absolutely phenomenal, of course.
1: So you, you didn't get a chance to watch it live, but you hear you hear how great this match is obviously. And then when when people say stuff like Oh man, it was one of the best matches of all time. People tend to oversell that term a lot, but obviously this one is one that lived up to the hype. Then,
0: yeah, it was it was absolutely phenomenal. I did get to watch uh, like the back part of it, like the back end of it, uh, live, and then of course I watched the whole thing later uh, on video. But yeah, just absolutely incredible match. Uh, the the risks that those guys take were were insane. Uh, yeah. Really, all on the line. You could tell how much they really wanted to win that one. Uh, but yeah, it was just absolutely phenomenal match and. I honestly, I think Kenny's going to be a little bit banged up going into this
1: one. Uh, Yeah. How could he not be right? Yeah. How could he not
0: be? But hopefully I can capitalize on that and use it to my advantage.
1: You know, talking with people who were there, you know, live, I'm watching it on a computer screen. People there live were, were just found themselves halfway through in awe, kind of like, I can't, I knowing something special was, was going on there. Does that does that add any extra pressure or motivation for you heading into this match, knowing that this is Kenny's follow-up?
0: I mean, honestly, I always just try to kind of do my own thing and focus on my own goals and my own things. But obviously, yeah, that definitely adds to the excitement. It adds to the feel of it, just like how is Kenny going to be able to to bounce back after having such a classic match? So it definitely adds a, a whole other element to it, but I really just have to focus on doing the best that I can do and, uh, hopefully exploiting some of those weaknesses but yeah it definitely adds a little bit more of an air of excitement uh, I don't I don't think I'd say pressure I'd say excitement for me
1: now you're bringing the screwdriver right because that you want to talk about weaknesses that that seems to be his his kryptonite yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean it I think I'd be a fool not to
0: notice that <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but but again it was all legal it was all legal I don't know what yeah. I don't know yeah, what you want but, uh, yeah I, I definitely think that he seems to have an aversion to screwdrivers, at least by now.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, he's only human after all. Uh, the, the main event the main event of Forbidden Door uh, also delivered in in many different ways, and uh, your boy, Brian Danielson, obviously, in the main event there defeating Okada, not only you know making him tap out, but the fact that this man had one of the cleanest breaks of a right forearm you're ever going to see and still wrestled for 10 minutes on top of that, and then showcases his technical prowess. Uh, and and being able to use his feet to slap on the LaBelle lock there at the end and and get the win, showing toughness, grit and all of that. And believe me when I say this, I hate the Mount Rushmore questions because there's so many pro wrestling is so nuanced. You can't pick the best four ever. But like when it comes to Brian Danielson, I think he definitely needs to be mentioned far more in those conversations than I hear now. And I have a feeling you'll you'll agree with me on that.
0: Yeah, I think that Brian. Like, if I if you make me do a Mount Rushmore, like Brian's on it for sure. Uh, I think Brian's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, he he's given me so much and taught me so many lessons. Even just like being with him after that, like breaking his arm, having one of the craziest you know craziest matches I've ever seen, um, and just, just throughout the whole time, just smile on his face, just a true professional. Went to the press conference after, like, did the media scrum with a broken arm. Uh, he, he didn't know how bad it was broken at the time. But, yeah, and then we're, like, uh, me, him, and Claudio were on the way back uh, after after that. And I remember we're on our way back. It's been a few hours since the match, and the adrenaline's kind of wearing off. His arm's hurting. We're like, oh, man, are you okay? Like, you doing all right? It's like, yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, pain's about a 5. And then you <laughs> find it completely broken straight through. But uh, Brian told me something that I think was probably the best piece of advice that Brian's ever given me is because Brian likes to joke that he's, uh, he's invincible. <laughs> uh, and after, I believe it was after the MJF match, I was talking to him. Uh, and he said, being invincible is not being like, you can't be hurt, you can't be injured, none of that. He said, it's knowing that all that can happen and doing it anyways. Knowing all that can happen and fighting through it, getting through it, and I've seen him like pull out some of the gutsiest performances I've ever seen just in the year of the BCC uh, or the year that I've been a part of the BCC. So it's been just an incredible example. I think that for so many reasons, he belongs on that, that Mount Rushmore.
1: Yeah, for sure. I thought the, like, not to say that it was hilarious, but the fact that he's in the press conference, and he's talking about, Oh, I think I just fractured it. And then, you know, Bree puts up the, the x-ray and I'm like, it's the biggest freaking fracture I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah. But yeah, man, the 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 guts, the determination, everything that that man shows is absolutely phenomenal to to watch him perform. And I and it truly is like not to sound too cheesy—it's a gift. The fact that we've gotten to see him come back and perform after he had to retire for three years, but also it's got to be a gift for you to get to work with him and get close with him. We've taught, we've heard about him getting more involved in the creative process side of things. He's been lauded for his work on, on collision so far, but for you personally getting to, to pick his brain, I would assume as often as you want, right. That's, that has had to have been very beneficial from a creative standpoint.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been very beneficial. He's given me like so much to like just matches to watch, like other videos to watch, like different things that I can incorporate into my wrestling style and then just things that, yeah, like just little pointers, little tips, like things that he sees out there. He can always uh, give me advice, and that that goes for all members of the BCC. Uh, and it's just been phenomenal to work with uh, all the other members—the the three, the three that are here, and then Regal, of course. So it's just been an absolute wonderful learning experience for me.
1: Unfortunately, due to Brian's injury, it that's going to keep him out for a while. I would I would assume anyway. But the war between the BCC and the elite. Rage is on blood and guts. Three is going to be coming up July 19th. TD garden in Boston. We're just a couple of weeks away here. Now you were in the match last year, which was like 45 minutes of pure carnage. At one point you had Angelo Parker who was hanging upside down in the cage truss, looking like bill Paxton from predator, right? Like just (laughs) yushing down his face. How much does a match like that just take out of you as a performer?
0: That match was so chaotic. It was so insane, and it hurt so bad. Like you mentioned that, uh, Angelo's hanging upside down, bleeding at his face. If you go back and watch the match, you can see I'm beating him up. That happens, and then you just see my feet go flying. So we go to commercial break and I'm being thrown into thumbtacks. Like no one even oh. saw. Him. So and like there's a bunch of other things that happen. like, boom, that goes, I think like a table broke. Like all these things happen. So there's so much carnage that we can't even fit it all on television. Like that's how that's how insane those matches are. So they really do uh, take a toll on you, and they they can definitely hurt. And I was definitely feeling that one for a while. I'm I'm sure Sammy Guevara was feeling it for a very long time after that, after the insane uh, throw off the top of the cage. Uh, but yeah, it was. It's a match that really can take a lot out of you, and it's something you got to mentally prepare for. And I know that I'm going to be pretty beat up uh, that week. Uh, following so uh you know just got to recover and just know that it's coming but that's the kind of that's the stuff that we live for especially in the bcc that's the stuff that we we're we're all so excited to get in there and to be able to to have that blood and guts match
1: now is that kind of what you could take away from last year's match that's going to help you going into this year's matches you know exactly what it's going to take out of you so does that kind of like help you going into it this year
0: it absolutely does. Like last year, I'd never had a cage match before, much less like a blood and guts match. So last year it was like, all right, here we go. This is a whole new environment. Uh It also like, there's the, the man advantage. So last year we were down a man uh, every time, like the new person would come in. So Jericho had the man advantage. So we had it like, you're fighting a handicap match, essentially in a cage every couple minutes. So it's really tough to be able to, you know, combat all those elements. But now that I know, and now that I've done it, it, it should be a lot easier for me to sort of navigate that. It's really just, I think, knowing how beat up I was going to be after, like almost not knowing that was a little bit of uh, ignorance is bliss. But I think that uh, I'm a much tougher guy now. I think the BCC's really uh, really toughened me up. So now now I'm excited for it. Now I, I can't wait to to get in there and do it.
1: I was going to say, um, you know which match and I, I don't know if if worse is the right word because you know you could be just like mox at this point i think that dude just wakes up and puts thumbtacks in his coffee but like anarchy in the arena or blood and guts like you know both very very violent you know which one was like i don't know if it's the right word but which one was worse
0: oh man they were both they were both tough i would say uh for me i think blood and guts was a little bit tougher Again, maybe it's because I got thrown in thumbtacks at the end of it and uh whipped with a belt by Daniel Garcia and stuff like that uh, so maybe just I came out on the referendum of the blood and guts match because anarchy was insane, obviously John almost got his face blown off like there's a lot of insanity uh, so for me personally, blood and guts is a little bit tougher, but I think that to each their own they're both they're both brutal matches,
1: yeah it's. Yeah, it, it's hard to compare. So I guess going into like personal, oh, I, I,
0: I'm gonna go back and change my answer to anarchy because that like the northern lights suplexes down the ramp hurt a lot. Mm. So I'll, I'll change my answer.
1: <laughs> totally fair. Now last yeah. year, now last year at Blood and Guts, Eddie Kingston begrudgingly uh, was teamed with the BCC, right? But now he seems dead set on tearing you guys apart, and this is a a really great storyline for me personally because I think. Eddie, seeing as he pretty much hates everyone, right? Uh, He has found somebody that he actually likes in John. He's one of the very few friends that he has in the business. And he kind of blames the BCC for taking him down this path that he feels like it's not the right one for John to go on. Meanwhile, you have somebody like Claudio, who is just locked on to Eddie like the Terminator and is ready to just take him out, you know, at any point, first chance he gets. There's a lot of layers to this uh with Eddie and and John. I kind of equate it to the first time you tried to introduce your high school friends to your college friends. And it was like you found you were like two different people now all of a sudden. Like there's so much to this. Uh that you know and you just kind of being there as an integral part of it, but it's got to be kind of fun for you to watch everything kind of unfold and, and peel back all these layers as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to watch it all unfold because you know when I was like on the independence, Eddie was of the, the main veterans eddie was one of the guys that we always like looked up to and went to for advice so you know me and eddie have a great relationship as well or we did you know <laughs> seeing obviously i guess his hatred for claudio means more to him than his friendship with me his friendship with john so you can see how that dynamic you know that that rubs us the wrong way for sure you know we've been friends for years and sure. obviously I've been as long as john has but the fact that just his hatred for this one guy who's also our friend is really becoming, like, a focal point. Now, obviously, he doesn't like Brian either, but, you know, Brian's out with his injury right now. But, yeah, just to to think about how, how that dynamic works, it's really going to be, I think, interesting television. But, yeah, it definitely rubs me the wrong way that this guy who I, I thought we were friends with, you know, who I've driven from Philadelphia to Ohio with in my terrible car that broke down and didn't have air conditioning. Like, I thought that was a bond, you know? I thought we were, we were homies, but, you know... I guess homeboys know more, as uh, the thumbnail said, when uh, <laughs> a couple weeks back on Dynamite.
1: Um, adding another interesting layer to all this, we we saw Renee kind of get involved with this last week when she went full like mom mode on on John and Eddie backstage, and she's one of my favorite people in wrestling, and she brings so much to that correspondence role but i'm really glad to see her get woven into the storyline of this because and hopefully you'll agree with me on this one she, uh, she can bring so much more to the television and so much more to the story than just being that backstage correspondent which again she's great at but there's so much more that she could add to the to television as well
0: yeah definitely and like renée's just been such a like a a great add to to the production and for everything for AEW so she's been awesome and, but I also think that, you know, the fact that she has been, you know, playing it like the straight man and has been sort of just the just the backstage correspondent, it really added something when, yeah, she was like, you got to fix this. It, it, it really, like, I felt it. I like what she said, I was like, oh, oh, all right. So it's, yeah, it adds like a whole nother dynamic and she's she's incredible. Like you said, she can do so much for the company. She already has. And I know that she'll just continue to, uh, to be such an asset to, to AEW.
1: Yeah, I saw that segment. I'm like, Gee, remind me never to piss her off. Uh yes. <laughs> that is for sure. Now, OK, so we've talked about you in the ring, right? As a, as a performer, you've gone su- through some uh, some hellacious stuff. What was more nerve wracking? Literally any of those matches that you've done or being handed a microphone and being told, OK, you're going to go toe to toe with MJF, who is somebody that you also know really well, but is regarded as one of the best talkers in the business in philadelphia no less uh the place that you call home so how which one was more nerve-wracking literally any of those matches or that promo exchange
0: um i think at first it was it was very nerve-wracking to get the microphone you know i've had thousands of matches i've wrestled so many times uh but i've the like the amount of reps that i've got in you know doing promos especially on the independents they don't happen as often so it's definitely a lot less so it was definitely a new challenge and a different challenge, but I, was, I don't know. I was excited to do it. It's definitely an area of pro wrestling that is very important, and it's the reason why a lot of people tune in. So I definitely put value on it and try to improve and get better. But honestly, for especially the one in Philly felt like, no, I'm, I'm walking. This is my turf. So it, it really – I was excited to do it, but as soon as I walk out the curtain – with no music, I just went right to the ring, and the crowd starts chanting my name. I was like, "All right, we're good, we got this." So it was it was a lot of fun to do. I really enjoyed, uh, especially the one in Philly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, all of these things that you get to do—being, you know, just even in the ring with with MJF, being you know associated with the Blackpool Combat Club—you know that that just goes into getting over, you know, with the audience, which is you know one of the main reasons why we I, I like to do this interview series, and also going over means. So many different things it means I can put over pretty much anything that I want on these interview processes because, you know, it, it means a whole lot. It's wide ranging there. So I want you to put over your hometown here uh, of Philadelphia uh, because I'm actually going to be in the not too distant future going to Philly for the first time. I've never been to Philadelphia before. And I'm not going to say what should I do because you met me five minutes ago. You don't know what I'm into. But what do you like so much about Philadelphia? You know, put over your hometown for me.
0: Yeah, I love that Philadelphia. I think just has this this spirit of we are fighters and we won't put up with anything else. I think like an easy way for kind of everyone to see it from the outside is uh, like Philadelphia sports fans have a real reputation for we will cheer the things that we like and we will boo the things that we don't like. We will let you know about it. And I think to me that that is the the heart of Philadelphia is just uh, being unapologetic, uh, going after what you want and. Yeah, there's just so much fun things to do here. Like, when you do come here, there's so much to go see. Uh, obviously, like, all the historical stuff is cool. Obviously, the nightlife is great. I personally, I I would say go check out a Phillies game because that's my favorite thing to do in town. <laughs> but, yeah, there's so much you can do. And, yeah, I, just, I love this city. It's really uh, accepted me. You know, I think a lot of people think that I was, like, born and raised here. I wasn't born and raised here. My family is from here. So I always came up for, like, major holidays and stuff and then moved here about 10 years ago. So, yeah, I love Philadelphia, and it's they've really been I don't know, accepting to me and really taking me in as one of their own, so it's been
1: wonderful. Yeah, because you were born in Hawaii, but a lot of your childhood was in South Carolina, right, if I remember that correctly?
0: My, my dad was in the Navy, so my dad grew up, uh, in the neighborhood's called Fishtown for people that are from Philly, uh, so that's where all my extended family is. When he joined the Navy, met my mom in Japan, stationed in Hawaii when I was born, retired right after I was born, and then... The first job he could get was in Myrtle Beach. So grew up there for a while and then spent every every Christmas and summers in Philadelphia. And then, yeah, wound up moving up here for college and then never left.
1: So where where did the uh, love for Philadelphia sports come into play? Then you spend a lot of your time elsewhere outside of Philly, a couple of mm-hmm. intermittent trips. But is was your dad a big Philadelphia sports fan? Is that was the tie in or was this just? You also lived in Hawaii and Myrtle Beach, which don't have professional <laughs> sports teams. So, did that play a role in it as well?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that was part of the part of it, I guess. But everyone around me was Braves fans. So, mm. like baseball team, there was a team that I I could have cheered for. The Panthers are really close by. But yeah, I was just kind of I don't know if I was given really an option. I was kind of told by my family, no, you're you're a Philadelphia sports fan. So, like my seventh birthday, I got a the Phillies jersey, and I think from there on, it was just <laughs> that was it. So yeah, that was always like my connection to the city when I was just kind of visiting as a young kid. But then being able to to move up here and really know what Philly's about has been has been awesome.
1: See, my dad tried to do that with me uh, growing up. See, he was a civilian engineer for uh, the Air Force, so he worked at Wright Pat oh. Dayton. Okay, um, but he was from Cleveland, and he mm. moved around before I was born. But after I was born, he settled in Cincinnati. So he tried to raise me as a Cleveland sports fan, and I. Fought him like every step of the way because, like, you no, I'm from Cincinnati, this is my town. I just kind of felt like a connection with my city. And mm-hmm. thankfully, here where I am now, knowing where all of the Cincinnati sports teams are at at the moment and where the Cleveland sports teams are at at the moment, I feel like I've made a wise investment. Uh, but it's, it's been a long time for doing that. But for you as a Philly fan, boy, this last year has been great, but it <laughs> like, man, three professional championship losses. In the same year, like even when the Bengals lost the Super Bowl the way that they did, like just getting there, them winning three post season games for the first time literally in my lifetime, meant so much to me and now, with Joe Burrow and all that time, I feel like they're going to go back, but to lose three of them in one year with the Eagles, the Phillies, and the union, like my goodness, that I can't imagine the kind of heartbreak that that came with that
0: yeah it was it was tough, and I think a lot of uh at least for me, I, I was never a big soccer fan. So, like, the first thing I, I watched from the Union is that, that game, and it was awesome. And, like, I, I think I'll be a Union fan going forward, but it was such a heartbreak. It's like, oh, penalty kicks. All right. All right, let's go, watch, let's go watch the Phillies game that night. And Oh, come on. All right. And then, like, to me, those were, like, I I'm a baseball guy, so that was soul-crushing. But at the same time, it was also, like, within a week, I was like, Man, I'm just glad that we made it there. It was super cool that, like, this Cinderella story, it was great. Plus, the Eagles are doing awesome. They're, like, the favorites there. There's no way they won't win, and then they lose, too. And I was like, oh. And I was actually at the games.
1: Oh, no. Oh.
0: Being able to, yeah. It was it was super cool to be able to see a Super Bowl, but it was, oh, man, what a bummer. But I think that, if anything, that that sort of uh, added to that determination and that fire that the city has, so.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, you – I know we're running a little over on time here, but I did want to ask you about your days at college because you were at Villanova. Does that mean you were there when they won the two basketball national championships? That would have been around the same time? was, yeah.
0: My freshman year, they won the first one, and then I believe it was my junior year, they won the last one. So, yeah. yeah.
1: It, was it was 2016 and 2018. Now, being on campus at the time when this – because Villanova had been good for a long time, but they just seemingly couldn't get over the hump. to. Right. You to get there on campus and be a part of that as they win not not only one, but two national championships. You know, what was that like that experience like
0: that was crazy? Like uh, the first one specifically, like the shot at the end, I believe it was Josh Hart, right? Wasn't it? I can't remember
1: who it was, but I know it was a three pointer at the buzzer and he just pulled up like a boss and, and drilled it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was, that was absolutely insane. Like, none of us could believe it. I was watching in the, in the pavilion, like the basketball arena, they had it on a big screen and everyone's just going insane with all my classmates. Like, that was awesome. And being able to, you know, go party in the street, like the town, the township set aside, like, you know, when like the Phillies or the Eagles win, like we, the whole city, right? This was like at but just one block in radnor (laughs) like they they isolated it to one block in the burbs and it was like that's all you can do there was like one light pole that was greased but people were climbing the one light pole it was like a a very scaled down version of like (laughs) if one of the major teams had won so it was really cool uh i enjoyed both of it uh i think both times like the riot police like were on the the steps at uh bartley which is the uh business school and then they're like all right all right now it's getting out of hand and they'd ride down and they clear everyone out and then that was like go to your dorm go to bed but it was just an awesome experience and i couldn't believe i got to do it once much less twice so it was it was super fun uh
1: final question here because you know what was that college experience like for you because you would have been training roughly at the same time that you were going to class um yeah Admittedly, I was not the best college student. I got the F out of there, I uh, got my broadcast certification and started working really early at like 19, 20 years old. But mm-hmm. you're still training, you go all the way through and you actually, you know, get get your degree. So what was that experience like for you? Sticking with it the whole time and then also training and I'm assuming taking bookings at the same time. Yeah. I
0: mean, I like I was full force going for it on the independence. Like I was traveling overseas sometimes. I would like drive wherever we had to drive to. Uh, Villanova, you can't even have a car. So uh, I had to, or you can't until you're a junior. So as a sophomore, I like bought a parking pass, like two towns over and would like walk to my car, drive the training in the city and then like go from there. So yeah, it was, it was definitely tough, but it was really cool to, you know, it, I had this dream, I had this focus and I had a lot of Good mentors around me, uh, like Drew Gulak, would take me around a lot at that time, and he would always, and Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, they would as well. But they would always like make sure that I was on top of my school stuff. Like they knew that that was very important. But they they also had a sense, like they they'd done college and wrestling at the same time, so they had a sense of kind of how to balance it. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of it was just like communicating with my professors and being like, hey, I have to go do this. Some of them thought it was really cool. Uh, some of them were less impressed, but just knowing like where you can sort of, <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, toe that line and figure it out from there. But yeah, it was, it was definitely difficult, but I was able to, uh, navigate it. I graduated cum laude. I actually graduated early so that I could go to Germany and wrestle. Uh, so I graduated a semester early. So it was uh, a great college experience, but I didn't really get like the, the party going out type thing. Like I didn't have as much of that because I was always wrestling. So.
1: Yeah. Well, First off, hopefully those unimpressed professors are flipping through one night. They see you on TNT and go, oh, shit. You know, hopefully there's that kind of I, moment.
0: They might not recognize
1: me. We'll see. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Well, Wheeler, I, I you've been very gen- generous with your time. Thank you so much. Uh, go kick Kenny's ass on Wednesday. And I look forward to seeing more of your development down the line, sir.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, looking forward to Wednesday in, in Edmonton. And hopefully blood and guts will go well also. And,
1: you know, just keep moving forward.